Hey listeners, welcome to 10x Growth Strategies podcast. This is your host, Preeti Padmanabhan, technology executive, investor, and board member. Today, we will feature the book, Grit, by author Angela Duckworth. Our guest today is Divya Raghavan, an early stage investor at NGP Capital. Welcome, Divya, to 10x Growth Strategies podcast. Thank you, Preeti. Thank you so much for having me. Well, I'm really looking forward to discuss this book. But first, tell us about your career, your key highlights, your career journey. Would love to hear about you. Sure. Um, I'm Divya Raghavan. I'm a venture capital investor with uh, NGP Capital. Uh, we are an early stage fund focused on investing in series A's and B's in the enterprise space. Um, in terms of my own journey, so I grew up uh, in a small town in India called Belgaum, which is in Karnataka, uh, which is in the southern part of India. And um, I, I came to the U.S. to pursue my master's in computer science. So I went to University of Florida and then started my career as a software engineer with Citrix Systems. Uh, so I really, uh, if I reflecting on my time at Citrix, it taught me a lot about uh, the nitty gritty of building software. And Citrix is one of those rare core enterprise infrastructure companies. So I learned a lot about how enterprise products are built during my time at Citrix. But of course, as an engineer, I loved uh, you know building products, but I quickly realized that, that I was very curious about why are we building this? What's the impact of this uh, you know, uh, feature or product on the market? And this curiosity in some ways led me down the path of product management. So um, I, I transitioned to uh, join a, a venture-backed startup to lead their plat platform product management teams. Uh, I, and the startup was Sugar CRM. And of course, I loved my time as a product manager. It was such a cross-functional role, working with engineering, working with sales, marketing, customer success, and so on and so forth. Um, but at that point, I kind of decided, uh, I, you know, I, 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 my training or my education has primarily been on the technical side, uh, you know, on the engineering side. And I really wanted to augment uh, my education uh, by getting some foundation in business and management. So decided to go to MIT Sloan uh, for, to pursue my full-time MBA. And during my time at Sloan, uh, based on my prior experiences, I knew I wanted to be in the startup sphere. Uh, and I first envisioned myself as starting something of my own. And I decided to explore venture capital, uh, mainly because I thought fundraising or knowing what uh, you know, goes on on the other side of the table is a very valuable skill to have uh, you know, as an early stage founder or an early stage employee. And uh, my path into VC was mainly through a bunch of internships. And one thing led to another, and I really fell in love with the profession. And I decided to uh, become a venture capital investor um, after graduating from Sloan. And I joined NGP Capital. And here, uh, again, as I mentioned, we focus mainly on Series A and Series Bs. And I've had the privilege of working with amazing founders uh, like, uh, you know, like and invest in companies like Coda, which is in the enterprise collaboration space. I'm also an investor in this company called Immuta, which is a leader in the data access and governance space. And another company, uh, which includes, uh, which is Armor Code, uh, which is an upcoming uh, player in the application security space and many others. So very excited to be here and share my thoughts on this uh, book. 
a grit which uh, has now become one of my favorite books <laughs> excellent what an illustrious career you have i think uh, i am very fondly uh, you know i remembering citrix and my time partnering with them from the nutanix side i really enjoyed working with that team uh, and also got a chance to meet mark templeton uh, at one of the nutanix parties and uh, you know such an amazing individual and founder of citrix and uh, from there how you have moved uh, your career into product management and then pursuing a fantastic uh, career path in vc uh, i think we are looking forward to a great treat uh, in this episode hearing from you let's start with the book grit and why did you choose to read the book yeah it's a it's it's a good question i remember our discussion over coffee and i'm i'm very glad that we decided to go with this book um i would say just two reasons one is personally if i connect the dots with my own life experiences uh hustle and grit have been a very core theme in my life and uh it and a lot of it goes back to you know my household the where i grew up it was a very entrepreneurial household my father was an entrepreneur back in the 80s where the word entrepreneurship was still a very taboo uh, word in india and i could see firsthand how grit hustle and perseverance can really move the needle of one's life i've seen this in my parents life they uh, and how they uh, uh you know took this entrepreneurship as a path towards wealth creation as well as uh, value creation um secondly uh, i actually first heard about uh, angela duckworth and her work uh, of analyzing successful people mainly through my husband who introduced me through to to it and i was very curious to read this book uh, given a lot of my day to day work involves working with founders and one of the key traits that i look for as i'm working with founders as well as the management team is grit you know how they are encountered i mean every startup goes through challenges every uh, you know uh, uh, founder personally goes through their own challenging journey and grit and perseverance is something which truly differentiates uh, the founders that are able to really move the needle and take their startup forward so that that was you know the main reason that this book made perfect sense to me <laughs> yes certainly in silicon valley you need a lot of grit to uh, pursue a startup and uh, and make it successful too what yep. are the top takeaways uh, that you had from the book yep 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 um in terms of uh, i mean i'm not uh, could I lay out the obvious takeaways which is about how grit and perseverance can kind of uh, you know is a um uh, a key tenant in every successful uh, individual out there or but i think personally for me there were three key takeaways i would want to highlight one is the separation of passion and talent uh, that was a new discovery for me because i always thought that you would be passionate about something that you are talented in right uh, and and the book highlights a lot of examples of you might be talented in it but if you're not passionate about it you can't be the best in it right so that separation between a passion and talent was one key takeaway from that book from the book uh, the second was this effort count counts twice equation which she kind of lays out uh, basically for uh, you know the audience here uh, it says talent multiplied by effort is equal to skill and skill multiplied by effort is equal to achievement so just having skill does not mean that you have achieved something you still have to kind of put on the effort to kind of uh, truly differentiate yourself and the third key takeaway for me personally was uh, about 
I always thought of grit as a very personal quality, but the book also talks about how do you cultivate grit in others, um, you know, whether it's in a workplace context and personally for me, it is in the context of, you know, parenting. So I am a, a mother to a five-year-old boy and, you know, the book really got me uh, thinking about how do I think about uh, cult cultivating grit, uh, you know, in my son or in the next generation. And, and, and of course, the book does a fantastic job of laying out examples from so many different walks of life uh, to highlight the different um, you know, aspects of grit. But I think personally for me, there was one example that I wanted to highlight, which is this uh, example around Bob Mankoff, who is the uh, cartoon uh, editor-in-chief of New Yorker. And it was mind-blowing for me to discover that even if as a, as a cartoonist, even if you're at the peak of your profession, your the, the rejection rate is 90%. So for every 10 cartoons that you submit, nine of them get rejected. And, and this is for somebody being at the peak of the profession. So I think that was a real eye-opener for me because no, I mean, every rejection hurts because you are putting an, I mean, whether it's in the context of a venture capital, whether it's a rejection from a founder or whether it's, you know, as a founder, if you're trying to raise from a VC, like, you know, you also go through a lot of rejections, right? So uh, that, 90% being even at the peak of your career was really eye-opening. And that really tells you that, you know, rejection is sometimes the way of the life and you have to, you know, power through. Wow. I think you unpacked so many wonderful insights from the book and we're going to spend some time in most of those as well as more. Uh, let's start with passion because you talked about that. The author starts the book with a message. What we achieve is a result of passion perseverance and grit. What are you passionate about and how do you pursue your passion with grit? Yep. Um, I think just like the book lays out, uh, you know, discovering one's passion is an ongoing effort, right? And there is no just one aha moment where I got up and said, hey, I'm going to be a venture capital investor and, you know, I'm going to look for a job or so. Like, you know, uh, uh, I think, there was a series of incidences, uh, you know, experiences in life uh, that kind of led me to discover this passion. And today, this passion is actually manifesting itself in my work to work with startups and really be part of this value creation engine in some ways, right? So I was drawn to VC mainly from the company building aspect and the value creation aspect, and, and less so from the investing aspect. Investing is a muscle that I'm still building on in my journey, but I truly feel passionate about being able to work with founders, uh, you know, starting um, and helping them in the different aspects of company building. Uh, again, you know, there was no one single moment of, uh, you know, aha. Uh, you know, my time at Citrix, again, I mentioned, taught me a lot about building software, but I knew that I did not want to be in a large team. Uh, that was not where I feel my impact. Uh, my time as a PM showed me that I was good at this multidimensional thinking, cross-functional thinking. Uh, so this was something which is very core to a, a, you know, a, a career in VC. You have to be able to think and you know, uh, flex different aspects uh, you know, of, uh, uh, and be contribute to different aspects of company building as such. And a career in VC as such is, uh, is not easy to pursue, uh, um, especially contrary to what's built in the media as, uh, you know, a very sexy uh, business of investing. The best quote I heard on this was, you know, a job in VC is you're investing 
other people's money for strangers that you meet on the internet right like you know that's that's not how it is like you know but that was the funniest quote i had heard on this topic but that said uh, you know even within even though it's a small industry it's a super crowded industry and you have to work really really hard to differentiate yourself and as to applying grit uh, i think i'm still very early on in my journey i still continue to you know wake up every day passionate about this higher level goal of working with startups being part of the value creation engine as such um but on an everyday activity basis i i do have to kind of experiment the book also does uh, talk about the higher level goal and the you know mini sub goals as such the sub goals as such uh, do change in time every time i'm trying to tweak and experiment and find ways uh, to make myself uh, successful as an investor as well as successful as value creation um but one thing that i have learned a lot especially going from the builder operator mindset to an investor mindset is investor mindset is it is a marathon like you know as a builder or as an operator you you know it's a sprint in some ways you do something you see the result whereas you know as an investor it's a marathon sometimes you have to sit on your hands but that said i still try to take some of the sprint mindset to this mar- uh, marathon uh you know by running small experiments for myself like you know so one concrete example that i can give you in my day to day life like when i when i'm sourcing companies there are different ways you can source whether it's you know cold emailing or whether it's uh, you know using your own network or you know going to events or uh, you know and so on and so forth um and even like i particularly around cold emailing i've i've ran experiments to see what would be the best way to capture someone's attention and and one of the nuggets that i have discovered is if you email someone uh, between 5 and 7 am in the morning that's the best response rate because you know they tend to kind of you are top of their inbox in some ways right like you know. so uh, i would say like you know i'm 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 still figuring out what does grit mean in the context of uh working with startups and working uh, working in venture capital but i can i have to certainly apply a lot of these lessons that i've learned in this book as such i see myself applying it day in and day out divya it's not often that one gets to work on something they're passionate about it was really amazing to hear that you pursued your career of vc with passion and you're putting that effort and grit to make it happen and like you said people may not realize from the outside and keep thinking that it's all glorious and it's all fun and it's just taking somebody's money and like gambling it away like not it not exactly that uh, and so it's great to hear that you are passionate about what you do and you're persevering it and using that whole grit to move forward another important thing i got from the book was that a lot of grit is not giving up we need to challenge ourselves every day get back up every time we fall can you share an example of when you had to face a difficult challenge how did you pick yourself up what are some learning lessons you had from the experience yeah um i think there are many aspects uh, of my life where i've kind of applied I- i'm sure like uh, you know everyone has applied grit in some form or the other um but i just wanted to highlight probably this one experience which happened twice in my life which was i went through two career transitions so from engineering to product and from product to vc and both of these 
taught me some valuable lessons about myself, about grit as such. Um, and the first transition as such was the hardest, mainly because I had to learn to believe myself. And I want to kind of highlight a few lessons that I learned along the way. Um, and, and the second challenge, which was from PM to VC, was equally challenging. Um, and what was also made it challenging was there was some numerous external and personal circumstances that I was facing that made it challenging. But definitely some of the lessons that I had learned in my first transition helped me along. So let me just dive into that first transition uh, because, uh, you know, there are some tactical lessons here. One of the first lessons that I learned was when I was thinking about, hey, I'm an engineer and there was a structured path to, you know, recruiting into engineering, you know, um, uh, so I went through college recruitment, and, but the first lesson when I started thinking, oh, maybe I should transition to product management, or I, I knew I would be some, uh, uh, you know, an average or a little bit above average engineer, <laughs> uh, but I wanted to see, you know, but my skills I felt was better suited for a more constructional role, and that's why PM made a lot more sense. So the first lesson that I had to kind of learn when I started even thinking about it was to get comfortable with ambiguity, Right. So we are all used to, you know, some structure in our life. Uh, and and when you start, when oftentimes I found when I have a strong itch, it start, first starts with some sort of an ambiguous feeling. And the biggest lesson there is to get comfortable with it, embrace it, right? Like, you know, don't push back against it, just embrace it. And, you know, that's when you start thinking, of you you know, and it's stemming from the fact that you have no clue how to do what, what to do, right? The second lesson I learned, you know, during this transition from engineering to product management uh, was don't be afraid to obsess over the problem. You know, this was actually an early lesson I learned from my father, like much younger in life when I used to ask him, hey, you know, how did you solve for this? How do you face challenges in life? And his simple reply was just keep thinking about it. Keep think and think and think about it. And what that essentially does is it starts forcing you to start thinking about the problem for multiple dimensions. So for example, in this transition, the first way of thinking about, hey, how do I figure make this transition is, hey, can I read about it? What are some books I can talk? Then you start thinking about who can I talk to about this transition, right? And then as you keep forcing yourself, as you start obsessing, you start imagining yourself as a product manager, right? Like, you know, and that's the stage where you start really getting creative. Like, you know, so how can I create opportunities for myself to achieve this goal, which I'm setting out for myself? And some, and that's the ultimate, you know, creativity uh, level that you need to, you know, get yourself into. And the third lesson, which I learned along this way is you just need to show up even when you're at your lowest, like, you know, and, and, and this might, uh, you know, uh, this is, um, I have a very interesting anecdote for this. Um, you know, as I was going through this product management interviews, et cetera, outside, I mean, I, I like uh, over a span of six to eight months, I interviewed for nearly 30 companies as such, right? And many of them, I didn't even graduate beyond the first uh, uh, round or so. There was this, and, and again, every interview was a learning and I, I kind of started cracking through making it to the final. And there was this one particular uh, role at a startup uh, where the, you know, I, I got rejected, but the hiring manager uh, really liked me. And she actually pitched me to another colleague uh, in her own team. And uh, 
and, and this was a role that was not even out there. Like, you know, so I'd actually created a proprietary access for myself. And all I had to do was do well at that interview, right? And I went to the interview and I blew it. I screwed it, screwed it up completely. And on the way back, I was just so upset with myself. I was probably at my lowest in that, in that particular journey of mine that I just wanted to go home and eat some comfort food and go to sleep. But that same evening, I actually had a networking event uh, related to product management. And 95% of me just wanted to go home. Like, you know, but the 5% in me told me, okay, just show up. Like, you know, you, not, you might not be your best today, but let me, let's just show up. And I list, I'm glad I listened to the other, uh, you know, the 5% because I actually ended up meeting the head of product at Sugar CRM there. And one thing led to another and we struck a good conversation. And then, you know, um, one thing led to another and I was uh, brought on board to lead some of their product management effort with respect to their platform teams. So that was a, a key lesson sometimes just to just show up, right? And, and, and um, the second transition in some ways, like, you know, the, the first transition taught me that, you know, you got to believe in yourself. It is going to happen someday, right? And the second transition, when I went from PM to VC, uh, one of the things that really helped me, one of the valuable lessons that really helped me was to embrace a burn the ship attitude or a no plan B attitude, right? So, you know, just an interesting story, the, you know, if Vikings, uh, when they go, want to capture a certain land, they get to the shore and they literally burn the ship. So either you survive or you, <laughs> and conquer or you're gone. Like, and adopting that sort of a burn the ship, no plan B attitude, really, really helped in terms of making that transition. I mean, I, I did the transition during business school and contrary to what business school teaches you, which is like always hedge your bets. I did not, uh, you know, focus on any other kind of uh, career paths. I was only focused on, uh, you know, making a career path into BC and, uh, you know, uh, that, that and adopting, embracing this no plan B attitude really helped. Your inputs are so inspiring. Uh, I think just to summarize, you talked about believing in yourself, obsessing and thinking about the problems you get to the solution, showing up even when you feel low and burn the ship when you have a new path forward. Fantastic inputs. Loved it. Loved it. Uh, such excellent inputs. Now, let's talk about the second takeaway you talked about. You talked about the effort part. Uh, and one of the uh, interesting sentences that I picked up from the book is the mundanity of excellence. Uh, and the author says that the dazzling human achievements are an aggregate of countless ordinary activities performed consistently leading to excellence, right? You meet several entrepreneurs in your role can you share examples where you saw entrepreneurs perform consistently to achieve an excellent result? Yeah, that's a very interesting question because yeah, there are so many different aspects to company building. And as an entrepreneur, you do have to kind of juggle these different aspects to be able to, uh, you know, really achieve, uh, uh, you know, uh, great outcomes, right? And either you do it because it's your natural muscle or sometimes you have to augment by getting the right talent on board and you know building up your level two of your organization. Uh, particularly for this question, I wanted to focus on one key trait which we all look for in entrepreneurs and some of the best founders that I've met today to, to date are amazing storytellers, right? 
and storytelling for some like you know it's always perceived as a natural ability or a, you know it's a skill that you're born it's an innate ability that you're born with and so on and so forth uh but contrary to that like you know again to your point on the mundanity of excellence like i've seen you know founders who have grown to be amazing storytellers have kind of put in these small small activities that kind of you know lead you to these excellent outcomes right i'm just going to uh, highlight a few examples here and and when i i just want to clarify when i say storytelling i'm not referring to you know presenting your pitch eloquently in and using uh, you know fancy words or presenting yourself with like uh, you know um, supreme executive presence skills or anything of that sort storytelling to me ultimately comes down to a very simple thing which is how well do you understand your listener and the value system that they come from and how can you package the information that you're about to share in a value system that is appeals to the listener right it ultimately comes down to the listener and that then that's it that's that's all storytelling it is about and 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 that value system is different for an investor when i'm looking for i'm having a conversation you know some of the data points that i'm looking for is very different from somebody who say you're trying to convince uh, someone to join your startup as an employee right like you know, that storytelling is very very different right and to your point on you know the countless daily activities like you know uh, i've seen like one of the key traits that i've seen in good founders who are also really good storytellers is that they are really observant they are super observant of their customers of their uh, the you know the market experts of their advisors their investors and they really have over a period of time they develop these skills of observing to really analyze what what's that value system what does that value system look like and how can i present the information that matches this this so and again like you know the storytelling like again it's 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 a, a multiple multi multi year effort in some ways like you know some founders like for example shishir mehrotra from coda his signature style of storytelling is very data driven like you know he comes from that youtube world uh where and google world where it's extremely data driven and that has kind of become his signature in some ways um the second example founder i wanted to highlight who's really good with this is nikhil gupta from armor code he's a classic example of a super technical founder uh who's kind of grown into this amazing uh you know uh, storyteller mainly because he his signature style is being able to present the customer perspective right like you know so he does a fantastic job of really highlighting what is it that the customer is looking for like you know um and to me another style which i also want to highlight uh is around writing like storytelling is just not around verbal expression it's also around writing right so i want to highlight matt carroll from immuta by far his investor update letters are a gold standard when it comes to uh you know sharing updates to your investor like i mean if if i if i could i you know i i would literally frame it <laughs> you know in my office it's so well written and 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 he his he really he, he he's an amazing like he lays out a story in, in the form of writing right so i think like there are different ways you can kind of slowly work towards finding your own signature style of storytelling and and it's and 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 trust me nobody is born with it whether no founder is born with it all of them pick up the skill along the way along their journey as an entrepreneur excellent i think storytelling is one of the most important things for the success 
in any business role, including entrepreneurship, uh, because personally, when I had to move from an engineering type of uh, a speaker to a marketing uh, mm -hmm. storyteller and I can completely relate to everything that you just said and the different styles you mentioned from the founders uh, Shishir uh, and uh, Matt and Nikhil fantastic uh, inputs over there uh, I like to take a different uh, route for the next question because I think the grid score test was a very interesting aspect from the book. Uh, yep. I did the score test and got a 4.1 score, which said I'm 70% grittier than others. I do tend to pursue goals to completion with grit. Uh, this podcast itself is one of those examples. At the same time, I like to pursue new sub goals from time to time, like how you mentioned earlier. Are you open to share your observations taking the grit test? Sure. Yeah. So my score, interestingly, was 3.9, which essentially translates to uh, I'm 60% more grittier than others. And and, and I, uh, I, I also want to highlight that I have a history of when it comes to standardized tests, I mean, I don't know if this can qualify as a standardized test, but uh, I have a history of scoring just about average. Like, And one of the things, lessons that I've learned about myself is to just not put yourself in a certain box uh, based upon the standardized test goal. Like, you know, <laughs> um, But I think it was interesting going through this, you know, grit score exercise. Uh, and I had actually two observations or two comments or you know it actually threw me off a bit like you know so firstly there was this question of are you a hard worker right uh, and i and and, the, and for the audience here the, uh, the score goes from most likely to uh, you know somewhat likely to yes this is me type like you know sorry uh, what is it? not like me to somewhat like me to yes this is me right um I, I, I actually struggled with answering this particular one because, you know, it might seem, I mean, I can say, yes, I'm a hard worker and so on and so forth. But to me, hard work, I would say I would, I'm a selective hard worker, right? It is not that I work hard for everything, but there are, if I decide to pursue something and if I'm really passionate about that, I will go in above and beyond. And, and that, that's where you can see my hard work. But there are some aspects, uh, you know, even in my day-to-day -day life, like, you know, where I just do the bare minimum to scrape through. Like, you know. So I think that question was a bit uh, uh, tricky uh, and it was a little tricky to answer. And the, the second uh, question, I think this is something which you also highlighted, was are you obsessed with an idea or project for a short period of time, right? Uh, and pursued with a lot of interest. So I answered as somewhat like me here, mainly because... The question actually needs to separate the concept of idea from the concept of project in some ways. So my high level idea in some ways, like uh, still continues to remain the same. And a project is a means to you know, achieve that idea. And if that project is not yielding the required outcome as such, uh, then I decide to kind of, uh, you know, change the project and, you know, find like, uh, to my example on sourcing, like I have to change my technique and find different ways of doing things. So anyway, so I think that was something which, uh, you know, through these two things that I felt was a little bit uh, <laughs> uh, skewed the grid score into not not so much. In, I mean, I still did 60%, but still, uh, I felt like those questions were not very deep in some ways. Yeah, makes sense. And I can relate to that, like one area that 
I certainly don't work hard is cooking. I I do bare minimum to yep, yep. food, healthy food. And I certainly do not consider myself a hard worker in that aspect. But yes, uh, certain other things like doing this podcast is, is a lot of work, but I'm really passionate about it. So I can completely relate it to what you just said and uh, uh, fantastic insights about the grid score. The other thing that was interesting to hear in the book was this Buffett three-step process uh, where he says to make a list of 25 goals, select the top five goals, look at the other 20 you didn't select and avoid them at all costs. I may not have listed 25 goals when I when I started my career, but I did set a few different goals and some that I did not pursue, where to become a classical singer or a basketball player. Mm -hmm. What are some goals you pursued or did not pursue? Actually, that might be interesting to hear that, you know, did you have such a process? It's interesting. Um, I'm actually going to go way back in my teenage years. Um, and I wish there was this, I was aware of this sort of a structured way of thinking, right? Like, you know, and I've noticed uh, a theme in my life where some of the biggest decisions that I've made have been split second decisions. Like, you know, it's not structured. It's largely, you know, sometimes if I go back and you have to, if I have to justify myself, I don't think I have a logical way of justifying my answers. Um, and I want to share one instance here, like, you know, um, I, which was, the decision to pursue computer science. So as a child, I was always good with math and science and logic. And I really wanted to pursue a career in medicine. I, particularly, I wanted to pick up surgery. Like, you know, if you go back to my uh, yearbook, you, can, you know, 10th, uh, 10th grade yearbook, et cetera, you can still see people wishing me, hey, good luck on your journey pursuing medicine and so on and so forth, right? Because I... Um, and, and back in India, when, you know, uh, when you're declaring your major, you have to declare your major well ahead of time, right? Like, um, so you go to the, through this process called counseling. I don't know why it's called counseling for some reason, but, uh, and on the day of my counseling, I actually had a good score for doing, going into both engineering or medicine, like, you know, and there is only a certain point in that counseling hall, uh, that a parent can accompany beyond that you have to go and you know declare on your own and come back and that five minute process of me leaving my father and going and uh, declaring my I have no idea what went into me and I just declared computer science and came back like you know so I, I I don't think to your point I don't I don't think I had like a structured elimination process uh, it was such a split a split second decision that I decided to go ahead with it and another example I also, I think it's worth highlighting was my decision to marry my husband. Like it was such a split second decision. In fact, my colleague at here was, joy, uh, I mean, a colleague, uh, an, an investor colleague of mine was joking that, uh, so I decided to marry my husband within a, a month of meeting him. Yeah. Uh, and he was joking. I mean, my uh, colleague was joking that it takes longer time for you to diligence a company than you decided to go ahead and marry your husband. You know? that's so, really funny <laughs> anyways so, 
yeah, yeah great great examples and in fact actually it's uh and i i heard this from another founder actually the founder of cheg osman uh, rashid mm-hmm. who is from pakistan apparently he told in one of the talks that uh, there were two books an engineering book and a and a medicine book uh, where you have to enter uh, at 12th grade uh, which book is your name going into and the person who was taking the names said i just closed the medicine book why don't you put your name in engineering and you know there now he is a founder of a fantastic company <laughs> like but, you know, it's like interesting how some of these career decisions happen and uh, uh, and uh, Right decisions happen also. Right decisions, exactly. Right on hindsight, it ended up yeah. being the right path for you. Yeah. Uh, wonderful. Wonderful. So one of the things you brought up in the takeaways, the key takeaways, is cultivating grit in others. Um, interestingly, uh, you know, we we heard from the book, and it's also co- quite common knowledge that thirteen percent of workers are only engaged at work globally, which is pretty pathetic, right? <laughs> passion for your work is a little bit of a discovery a lot of development and a lifetime of deepening is what the author talks about um with this whole issue of engagement in the workplace how does one set up a workplace where people are engaged and you're able to cultivate the grit yep you know what i gave a lot of thought to this question again and and i i think this is actually a a very loaded question for a, a certain reason because we are actually in a a very unique point of time in careers where we have three different generations in workforce so you have gen x's you have millennials like me and then you have gen z's and each of these three different generations have a different definition of what engagement means at work and what they want from work right Uh, i can speak a little bit to the gen x i can speak more to the millennial and i, I, I and i i'm i'm going to be honest i i don't have that much insights on the gen z's mainly because um i haven't spent enough time with them except for the uh, three interns that i have mentored over, uh, here at my here at ngp uh for gen x again based on observation you know uh working with my managers working with superiors who belong to this generation for them engagement at work seems to be tied with finding meaning right in addition to power money and societal status right and work tends to be a big part of your social identity in some ways for the, at least that's my observation of gen x right for millennials like me of course when it comes to engagement it's 50% about more about finding work it's less about social identity tied to work etc and the rest 50% if i look around my own uh, friends and my own circle um it seems to be around finding unique life experiences so i have plenty of friends of mine who have you know they you know they work but at the same time they have also created a life where they travel a lot uh, and so on and so forth right so it's it's about bal- creating both finding both meaning as well as creating uh, unique life experiences right that's that's uh as to gen z's again as i mentioned before i i don't have a good pulse in terms of what this what engagement means for this particular generation but i do want to highlight that gen z is probably the first generation that is digitally native entering into the workforce right so uh, a lot of their digital habits uh that they have picked up in school and college etc is going to uh you know manifest itself as they enter the workforce right um as to your question on you know designing a work for i mean a workplace for engagement 
it's a really tough problem like you know because again three different generations three different uh, needs right but i would highly encourage thinking about ways to bring out self expression so if you think what's common although there are so many differences in terms of engagement between these three different generations what's also common is this desire for self expression right so i think that would be an interesting aspect if a workplace is able to design its culture uh such that it can bring out self expression or encourage self expression i think that could be an interesting uh you know way to design wow wow great insight i mean i i haven't even thought in those aspects and such great wisdom and insights on how we can make that happen uh one of the things that uh, i have pursued in that angle is to even tie together uh, the whole aspect of work leadership and wellness and you know especially in this day and age i find that the burnout was the number one complaint on my mm-hmm. team and uh, and finding some ways by which i can bring my team together in fact uh, uh you know that's talking about self expression and doing things as fun uh, my team and i have we have taken trips to goa or mm-hmm. we have done a meditation retreat together and and doing fun things like that uh, i love the way how you parsed it as how uh, you know gen x is thinks of it as an identity for work and gen y is a combination with some uh, you know travel and being able to live your life you of passion and gen z more socially conscious so fantastic uh, way of dissecting thank you for that insight uh, divya yeah happy to any final insights for the audience today um i would say again everyone faces obstacles as buddha says life is struggle right uh, you just need to pick your struggle in some ways and in, in some ways everyone has grit in them in some form or the other but the book as well talked about grit is or achieving your goal or you know uh reaching a pinnacle of your achievement or your uh, profession is not about iq i think the book really lays that out it talks more about eq right uh how do you kind of uh, you know power through or how do you kind of uh, uh you know think about creative ways to achieve your goal etc cetera, etc cetera. but i i in my own discovery you know in my life one thing i've discovered that the quality of your life the quality of the obstacles that you face and the outcome that you end up achieving is in in fact powered through through things three things one is iq in some ways of course you have to use your mental ability to you know understand the situation pass through it put some structure it etc the second of course is eq you know uh, manage yourself through the uh, obstacle in some ways the third aspect which is not talked about a whole lot uh, i mean the book actually doesn't talk a lot a whole lot about it is sq which is social quotient sometimes when you encounter a problem you also have to ask yourself about not just about you know what skill can i apply to this problem or how do i you know emotionally manage myself through this problem you also have to you know be open to asking yourself who can i tap into to help me solve this problem like you know so and i find like entrepreneurship is a is an amazing uh, uh, a journey in that way because you're actually ra- rallying a bunch of people <laughs> Uh, you know entrepreneurs need to be very high in their sq in some ways right like 
So I, that's uh, one of the insights that I had from my own journey, as well as, you know, reading through this book that, uh, you know, IQ, EQ and SQ equally matters in some ways. Great, great final insight there, Divya. It was a pleasure speaking with you. Listeners, check out the book Grit by Angela Duckworth. Thank you for tuning in and thank you, Divya, for the wonderful conversation. Thank you for having me today.